a word to us, O Lord, that only you, O Lord, have planted before the foundations of the earth that you have brought, O Lord, to execute to this house, to this place, O Lord, that we're not here in vain and we're not here for another religious service, but we're here, Father God, because you have a word for us to hear. You have a challenge, O God, for us to stand up, O God, and make a difference. I ask you this morning as we're here in your presence, O God, and as your presence already came into this house during their worship, O Lord, you have prepared our hearts and you have prepared our minds, O God. We ask you that you transform us and that your word penetrate the deepest imparts of our souls and our beings, O God, that we rise up different than when we came in, that we might have a different understanding of what you have for us in this house, O Lord, what you have for us as women and as men in this, in this time, O God. Prepare us, O God. Use us in a mighty way, O God. Let your words, Father God, let your spirit be in this place today. Fill us in a mighty way. And we give you thanks once again for all that you're doing. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you've been coming for the last couple of weeks to church on Sunday, Wednesdays, Thursdays, you will see that God is doing and he's challenging us to take a stand, to make a difference. Um, he's challenging us to grow and to mature. Um, he's not just calling us to come to a house where we're so used to just coming to a church on Sundays and, and having a nice time and listening to nice music and, and getting encouraged and how nice and we walk out those doors. And that's not what God wants nor has what he has called us to be, N neither in the past when he started the church nor now. Unfortunately, church has become a place of just that, a social gathering, a place that we come, we feel good and we leave. But that's not what God has called us to do, and that's why we're so big on men's ministry here Monday nights, men making men, to go out and make more men. And a lot of emphasis are made on, on, on changing and, and growing and discipleship in the last couple of weeks. And not only discipleship, but being challenged to take a stand for where you are, to lay aside the, 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 your past or lay aside what you want and go forward and to be a, a difference and a light in other people. It's not an easy call. It's not a call for, for, it's a call for everybody, but it's not a challenge that everyone takes to heart because it's not easy to look around the world around us and everything that's taking place and, and, and take a stand and speak something completely different. Not only in the circle of what the, the world brings, but in the Christian circles. There's so many different things that are taking place, even in Christianity today, that I used to say, you know, we used to fight against the tide of this world, but now we're fighting against the tide of even Christianity, quote unquote, um, of what people are calling Christianity today. It's, it's become a mockery. And that's why I think the challenges come to be even more because the character of Christ being formed in us, the character of Christ transforming us and changing us is what God has called us. It's not just all about the love and the grace of God, but it's a transforming thing that God does in our lives. He doesn't call us to leave us where we're at. He calls us to make a difference and to change us to be like Christ, to be more and more like him. And that call is not just a call for men, but it's also a call for women. And we're called to be transformed into the likeness and the image of the Almighty God. And we have made a lot of emphasis in this house, and we're always talking about men and the influence that they have in the world around them, the influence that they have with their families. But the influence that men have is nothing compared, and I, and I say that in a very light manner, is a, it's a comparison okay, to the influence that a woman has on a man. And that influence that we're going to be talking about today is the influence that a woman has on a man. Like, I love what Joey just said, king makers or king breakers. That's amazing. Because a woman has the ability to either make a man or tear him down. A man could have all the, the possibilities and all the strengths, all the career, all the, all the knowledge in this world if he has a woman next to him that is not understanding her role and does not understand who she is and what she's called to be, that man will come to nothing and will never fulfill his calling in ministry, in his career, in his, in his children's lives. It just never will take place. So that's why it is so important um, that men understand who they are, but also that women understand the role that we have been given as, as an influence in men and, and our children's lives. The, that interesting word of influence, that the ability to stand next to somebody and influence, we don't understand a lot of times what that, what that task is and what the responsibility that it's been given to us. Men have the, been given the charge and the responsibility to make decisions. They have a, a certain amount of power, if you will, um, to execute whatever is going to take place. The Bible says that he, God has called them as the head. And many women don't like that. And I personally love it because I'm not responsible in front of God's eyes for the decisions that our men make. That's his responsibility. One day he will stand before the Lord. What did you do with your family? What did you do with your ministry? What did you do for your career? And I will just say... 
you know, the person next to me that you gave me, he's the one responsible. God's not going to make me responsible for that, but he will make me responsible for the role that I play as his helpmeet and his helper and what I did with that. And that role and that helpmeet, that influence is the ability to modify or change the uh, perceptions and attitudes of those that have the power to make changes. Again, it's the ability to change the perception, to change the thoughts, to change the mannerisms, to change the way that things are going to take place. I have that ability. Women have that responsibility. A lot of times we see men doing things that are wrong and things that are different, and we do not say anything because we are, quote-unquote, being submissive. But God has given us a responsibility to influence the man that next, that's next to us and the children that are around us to push them into what calling that God has given them, to push them into the place of what is right standing before the Lord. In Ezekiel 16, and again, I'm talking to women that know God. I'm not talking to people that don't know the Lord. Because if you don't know the Lord, we don't know. But today, that's going to change. Um, you'll leave this place knowing who God is. But specifically, I want to speak to those women that know God, who have been in this house, who have been in an understanding in a church, have been for years hearing the word of God in and out, day, after, day in and day out, and have traded that for something else. In Ezekiel 16, we have the... the the place where we all start in verse 3 and I'm sorry in verse 4 it says as for your birth your umbilical cord was cut one day and you were born and you weren't washed clean with water you weren't rubbed with salt and you weren't wrapped no one cared enough about you to even um, do any of these things out of compassion for you but you were thrown out in an open field because you were despised on that day you were born a lot of us have well everyone every single person here has been born and we have been in a spiritual sense left to one side until we came to know Christ, until we came to know who Christ was, that God looked upon us with his love and his compassion. He took us up, and here it says, I passed by and I saw you lying in your blood, and I said, you, uh, and I said to you, lay in your blood, live. Yes, I said, you, as you lay in your blood, live. I made you thrive like plants of the field. You grew up and you matured and you became very beautiful. Your breasts were formed and you grew hair, but you were stark naked. But then I passed by you and I saw you, and indeed at that age, you were at that age of love. So I spread the edge of my garments over you and I covered your nakedness. And I pledged myself to you, entered into a covenant with you, and you became mine. And this is the declaration of the Lord. I washed you with water. I rinsed, you off, I rinsed off your blood. I anointed you with oil. I clothed you in embroidered cloth. And I provided you with leather sandals. I also wrapped you in fine linen and covered you with silk. I adorned you with jewelry, putting bracelets on your wrists and a chain around your neck. I put a ring in your nose, earrings on your ears, and a beautiful tiara on your head. So you were adorned with gold and silver, and your clothing was made of fine linen, silk, and embroidered cloth. You ate fine flour, honey, and oil. You became extremely beautiful and attained royalty. Your fame spread among the nations because of your beauty, for it was perfect in my splendor, which I bestowed upon you. And this was a declaration of your Lord. God has taken every single one of us. He has cleansed us. He has made us new. He has taken off our garments of shame. He has clothed us with righteousness. He gave us what we needed. He gave us wisdom. He gave us understanding. He gave us joy instead of mourning. He gave us a new name. He put authority over us. He has given us all these things. And everyone saw our transformation. They saw from where we came and they saw where we're at now. They saw the, the desolation, the craziness going on in our home, the out of order, the, the, the bickering, the fighting, the children everywhere. And all of a sudden, we see the transformation of maturity in front of an entire congregation. And we spread them out and say, look what God has done. And everyone is seeing it. And it's amazing. It's awesome. And this is what God had promised to do with us. And this is what God has promised to do with every single one of us. Up until this point, this is amazing. This is where we're at, and this is, I think, where, we're, where we've been in for the past couple of weeks. Look what God has done in our lives. We show the world, we show our family, we show our friends. Look what God has done. Remember where we were before? Look where we're at now. Remember how we used to act? Remember how we used to be drinking and we needed all these pills in order to be happy? Remember how our children were stubborn and they were rebellious and they would walk away and wouldn't listen? And look at the transformation. They're obedient. We get along. We're on our an internal honeymoon. Look at the difference in our lives. And we say, this is what God has done. But something happened along the way, and God is speaking to Israel. And unfortunately, this is what happens to a lot of people, and this is the crossroads in a lot of people's lives, especially women. But you are confident in your beauty, and you acted like a prostitute because of your fame. 
we get so accustomed to living that, that life of it's so good, the white picket fence, the two dogs, you know, the traveling with our, you know, with our husbands, the date nights that we never had before, the protection and the security of knowing that there's a man of God next to us that is trying to do the things right. And we get proud, we get um, comfortable in our skin, and we let it go. And all of a sudden, we see ourselves in the next couple of verses where God is really having a time of judgment upon these people. And in verse 20, he says, You even took your sons and your daughter and you bored, that you bore to me and you sacrificed them to these images as food. Wasn't your prostitution enough? You slaughtered my children and you gave them up when you passed by them, when you passed them through the fire to these images. In all your detestable practices of acts of prostitution, you don't remember the days of your youth when you were stark, naked, and lying in your blood. How sad that we grow so accustomed to living this Christianity, to living this bubble, that we forget where we came from. That we get to a point that after we have all of our, our, our beautiful little lives together, that our children are, are now in our homes, that our husband is next to us, that we forget and we rather exchange the, the comforts that we have in Christianity. We want our children, and, and, and this is a testimony, unfortunately, of people that have been through this house. That once they have been here and they have tasted and they have seen that God is good, they rather go and, and spend time with people and, and, and going out and, and drinking $500 bottles of wine and making sure that they're at the, the latest restaurant, that they're dressed in this perfect clothing that they think is, you know, the, the, the place of, of renown where their brand names are, are more important than anything else. And they go around these people and everything looks beautiful and they know how to speak perfectly. They know how to say all the verses. They know how to act in front of people. When, but when they go home and they close those doors and you look at the Facebook of these people and these children, you see children that are depressed that are all tattooed, that have piercings on every single part of their body, depressed and asking, how can I kill myself because I can't stand my life? A mom who is buying children the latest iPhone, the latest iPads and iPods, without being able to afford it, taking things from her husband that is an honor to her husband to give them to her children so the kids around them might see that my daughter has the same thing. All the while, these people are living in these fancy neighborhoods and they wanting to pretend to be like them and they go to a house in, 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 a, in a neighborhood nowhere near it but they have to act and play the part meanwhile saying all the christian words but their husband is detested in front of the children he's an influence at work but he can't be an influence at home he's quieted by the wife every time the husband wants to reprimand the child that's depressed and is full of tattoos and has all pierced up because the wife would rather the world see something that is not a reality or in her fantasy mind this is what reality it should be we should have the fancy cars we should have the, the brand names if i didn't have them my children should have it knowing who christ was knowing what christ has done in their family they have traded that for the appearance of a, God, a, a home and it's not that at all and later on it says in this same chapter that after all this is is, is going to happen in verse 45, you are your mother's daughter, they're going to be saying, loathing your husband and your children. You are, you are the sister of your sisters who loathe their husbands and children. And your mother was a Hittite and your father an Amorite. And, and what's, what, I don't understand, what is this talking about? What are you saying? What is this that I loathe my mother and my children? What is it that, you know, what's so difficult and what's so horrible what you're doing? What is it that I've done wrong? What's, why is God so angry? Why is he saying I gave my children up and I sacrificed them? to the altars of this world of fame, of career, of, of materialism. Why is he so angry? What, it, what went wrong? And in verse 49, we see what happened. Now this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride. They had plenty of food and comfortable security, but they didn't, she didn't support the poor and the needy. She had it all. What was the danger? What was the wrong thing that she did? Well, she did it all for everybody else, but did nothing for her family. She was the one that went out and she, she, she built an entire company. She, she's a CEO of a company. She made millions for others. All the meanwhile, sacrificing her children and sacrificing her husband so that others would influence and others would do something. You see, women are gonna influence. It doesn't matter what you're gonna do. You're gonna influence. That's part of who you are. That's your nature. That's in your DNA. Now the influence that you have is the difference that you're gonna make. 
Who are you going to influence? How are you going to influence them? Or your lack thereof, what is it going to be the fruit and what's going to make the difference? As women, we're called to influence. As women, I like to call it, we're kingmakers or kingbreakers, as Joey's just said. We read a book not, long, not that long ago that uh, Wellington Boone wrote that says women are kingmakers. And why is that? Again, because I said we have the influence. We have the responsibility, the power, and the authority to influence the people next to us. First of all, starting with our husbands, our children, our neighbors, everyone around us. And when we don't take advantage of that, or when we lack in knowing how to do that, the fruit that comes out of it is either going to be an amazing generation that's going to be lifted up, that's going to change the world, or a generation that's going to continue sinking even more and more into depravity, into depression, and into the state that we have now. Many people don't want to have children nowadays because they're saying, what is this world that we're going to come into? Or what are my children going to live into? What's, what, is, what are my grandchildren going to live? But if we don't rise up as women to influence our children in the right way, this world will never change. That's why we are here to influence. That's why we are here to have children. Because we're going to lift up a generation that's going to turn around an entire world, an entire generation, an entire nation. I tell my children, you're not growing up to, to influence Miami. We're here to influence not just in the nation, the United States of America, but to influence this entire world. This world is going to know some way, somehow, somewhere, that there's four children that love God, that honor God, and that God is real and that he is faithful because of the influence that we have upon their lives. Or the lack of influence or not knowing how to influence, you're going to have a generation that we have now of a bunch of children that don't know who they are, whether they're women or men, that go around putting piercings all over their body because they're trying to get the attention of somebody or that are tatted because they want to get marked by somebody so that somebody looks at them and recognizes, who am I? What am I doing on this nation? And what am I doing on this planet? And that is the ability that we have as women to influence, to make a difference, to make a change in the lives of the men and that we, uh, we have next to us and the lives of our children that are going after us. But if we don't know how to influence and we don't know what to do or we don't know that we are here to influence, we'll never make that difference. In 1 Peter 2.9, God has told us, just like he did in Ezekiel, that he has taken us from nothing and he has made us something and someone. And in 1 Peter 2.9, it says, you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are called from nothing to something. You are called from being a, a, a wreck on this world, not knowing which way was up, which way was down, giving advice, sharing your opinion on the, on the spur of the moment, not knowing who you were or what you were going to do. And God has called you, and he has called you into a kingdom where you're a royal priesthood like oscar was saying my my queen she's the daughter of a king what are you talking about yeah your your father is a king of this world and a king has heirs and we are heirs to that throne we are heirs to that kingdom we are a royal priesthood we're a holy nation we're set apart we're chosen we're different we are not of this world we are never going to look like this world and if you try you're going to look ridiculous because you're not part of this world you are part of a holy nation one that has king has laws has precepts and we walk in those precepts we walk in the ways of the lord and in revelations 1 5 and 6 it says jesus christ who's a faithful witness was a firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth to him who loved us and he washed us from our sins in his own blood he made us kings and he made us priests to his god to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We have been called and set apart. There's no doubt. When God called us, we came to him and said, Lord, take us. He's adopted us into his kingdom. He has adopted us as his children. We are now heirs to the throne of God. Therefore, we are, part of the, we are partakers of the kingdom of God. We need to grow into understanding what that means. There's a king that has a kingdom. And that kingdom has laws and precepts. That kingdom has ways that to do things. There's right ways and there's things that don't come from that. And we need to understand, first of all, as women and people who influence, there's no way we're going to be able to influence anybody into that kingdom of God, into being the men, women, into, and that God has called them to be, into the calling that God has for them. There's no way we could influence that if we don't know what that means, if we don't let anybody teach us to be a king. I think back on Moses and, and Israel and the entire time where God called the people of Israel out of Egypt. And he had called Moses, and if you remember, Moses was trained up in 
in the palace. He was trained as a prince. And for years, 40 years of his life, he was trained in the palace of how to be the son of a king. And he would go to school and he would learn the ways of the kingdom and he would learn how to act, how to talk, how to walk. He would learn what to say and what not to say. He would understand that he was being trained up to be a king, to be the pharaoh of the land. That was his calling in, his, in, in what he knew. And all of a sudden, God calls him out and says, okay, Moses, now I need to take you to 40 years so you understand that the, the kingdom that you're going to be called to is not the kingdom of this world. It's a kingdom, a heavenly kingdom with different laws. And he was trained for 40 years in the desert by God to be a, 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 a leader for the people of Israel. Now, Israel had been enslaved for 400 years. So when they come out of this desert, that Moses leads them into the desert out of Egypt, and he starts telling them, this is what God says, and this is what God does. For 400 years, these slaves had a mentality of, I need to do what is right, or if not, I will get beaten. The only reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because I have to make things for this Pharaoh. I have to make things for Egypt. And it's never going to be mine. It's always going to be for someone else. So they would do it only out of obedience, and only because, if not, they would get beaten. Moses, on the other hand, for 40 years was being trained to be a king. And he knew that when people would talk to him and people were educating him and, just, and telling him what to do or not to do, it wasn't for them. They weren't going to be the kings. It was for him. So he would know how to reign. And our mentality has to change because a lot of times people come to us and tell us, this is what is right. This is what is wrong. This is what the Bible says. This is how the kingdom works. This is the, the principles that we're under. You're, you're supposed to walk in righteousness. You're supposed to love what is right and hate what is wrong. You're supposed to dress a certain way. You're supposed to talk a certain way. I come to people all the time and say, you know what? That's not appropriate. Well, excuse me. I'm going to wear it anyway. Okay, you can, but you're never going to be looked at as a leader. You're never going to be looked at upon as a person that God has called you to be, as a person of respect and authority and dignity, because you're stubborn and you think that I'm telling you this for me. It's not for me. It's for you. It's so that people look at you with respect and dignity and honor. You're not supposed to talk that way, not because it's, it's the, you know, I, I, I don't want you to talk that way. You're supposed to talk in a way worthy of respect, seasoned with grace, full of dignity, full of kindness. Why? Because that's going to people are going to look at you with respect and dignity and honor. They will listen to what you have to say with wisdom. And we have to change our mentality to see whatever anyone is trying to teach us and be leaders it's not for their own good it's because we have to understand that we are being trained up as a king as a place of authority as a place of dignity and honor why to influence other people when esther went into the house into the kingdom and here's a, a king a Cyrus, that wants to you know have a new a new wife he's looking for a, a queen when esther came in esther didn't come in saying i want to wear that dress with the gold beads and i want to wear that crown with the pretty pearls no 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 she went to, to the king's helper and says what does the king want what does the king desire what does the king like and that is what I am gonna wear and when she went before the king he liked her more above anyone else why because she wasn't in there for her and neither was the helper he wasn't there for him he was in there to show her the ways of the kingdom and of the king and she was able to use that later on and influence and change and, and save an entire nation it wasn't for her it wasn't for the helper it wasn't for him it was for her so we need to understand and we need to be trained up and understand that as kings, yes, we are going to have authority. Yes, we are going to have influence. Yes, we are going to be able to all these things. But first of all, we need to transform our hearts and our minds to understand that there is a different kingdom that we need to live by. It is not our own kingdom, nor is it the laws of our own thoughts and our own mind. In Hebrews 12, and we're not going to read the entire chapter, but in verses 5, it says, my son, don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Don't be discouraged when you get rebuked. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and who he scourges, every son he receives. If you endure the chastening, God deals with you as sons. For the son is there whom the father, who is, for what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you're without chastening or discipline, of which of all become partakers, then you're an illeg illegitimate son. Listen to me. When people come to tell us what is right, what is wrong, how to act, how to drink, how to dress, what to eat, how not to eat, it's not because they want to rule over you. It's not because they want, it's for, because of, his, of their own benefit. It's because you're being trained up. I am sure that as the King Charles and, 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 all, and the, what's the Prince of England? I forgot his name. No, that's the princess. William, thank you. 
As he was growing up, I'm sure that he wanted to do so many other things besides what he was, I'm sure he didn't want to go to the grammar classes, the school, to learn how to, you know, the, to, to play polo, to just do the things that he needed to do to one day take the throne. It's not fun. It's not fun to be told, okay, today you're going to sit here and you're going to listen to these things. Today you're going to learn how to do this. Today you're going to, it's not fun nor is it easy nor is it, is it always delightful. And a lot of times we, especially if we're older, we come in with our mentalities, with our, with our philosophies of doing things, with our, our ways that we've been taught for so many years to all of a sudden be confronted and say, okay, but that's not how it is. What are you talking about? No, no, no. That's not how it is in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, there's an order. In the kingdom of God, you listen. In the kingdom of God, there's people that are above you and you serve. What are you talking about? I've done it like this for years. I understand, but that's not how the way it goes in the kingdom of God. And that's where a lot of people fail and they say, I don't want this. These people want to control my life. And no, we have to understand, like I was saying before, we're getting trained up to be a king. We're getting trained up to be a leader. And if we can endure that training, if we could endure that chastising, if we could endure the discipline, if we could understand the ways of the kingdom, then God can use us to influence others in the right way. But if not, we're just going to make disasters with the people that we have around us. And if you don't believe me, just look at the world around you. Because women are influencing. They're influencing. doesn't matter where you go, you're going to influence. But is it to the right way or to the wrong way? We need to understand that we need to love instruction. We need to love knowledge. Proverbs 12.1 says, whoever loves instruction and knowledge, loves knowledge, but he who hates correction, and forgive me but with a word, but it says it just like that, is stupid. What are you trying to prove? What are you trying to make? What is it that you want to come out of your household? A lot of times we say, I know better, I know better, I know better. 12 years later, you know better. You know a lot better. Your son or your daughter doesn't know whether what's right, what's wrong, if he's a girl or he's a boy, if he's a monkey or if he's a shark. If he's going to you know, have 20 million piercings, just like this family I was telling you about in the beginning. The 16-year-old boy doesn't even know what he looks like anymore, what he should look like, how he should dress. Because there was a mother who, instead of letting a father influence and speak and mark his son, would tell him, no, I know better. And now the kid wants to commit suicide at the age of 16. He doesn't know better, and she didn't know how to influence. She thought she knew better. He who loves instruction... Wisdom, whoever loves instruction, loves knowledge, but he who hates it is stupid. Psalms 86, 11. Teach me your ways, O Lord. Give me a pure heart, is what David used to say. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. This is not going to come by itself, but God has promised us that he will give us a spirit that's going to lead us to all truth, all knowledge, and all conviction, and all truth we need to have a heart that says teach me your ways because i've tried it my way lord and it hasn't worked teach me your ways O lord and let me walk in your truth give me an undivided heart that i may fear your name once we understand and once we learn we get molded we get transformed and we let people teach us and we have a teachable spirit which mind you that never ends you don't fully reach it there's always people speaking into your heart but once you reach a level of maturity when we start being transformed into the image and the likeness of the character of Christ, the perfect one that was set before us, who came to this earth to teach us what the kingdom of God was, who became the word in flesh in, that we could see. Once we get to that place, then we could start influencing others in the right way. Philippians 2, 3 through 9. We no longer worry about what we have, what we attain, what we want, what people look at us, how who we are. It's not about me anymore. I already know who I am. I am a child of the living God. I am a king. I am holy nation. I am a royal priesthood. I have the wisdom of God. I have the, men, the mind of Christ. I have the authority of God on my lips. I have the wisdom of God on my heart. I speak not of my own volition, but of what God has given me. I know who I am. Therefore, I can be like Christ in this aspect and say, let nothing be done with selfish ambition or, con or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, esteeming others better than himself. A kingmaker, a person of influence, a person who makes kings instead of breaks them, is not thinking of their own selves, but thinking of the person next to them. Is thinking of the, the people around them. And from underneath, pushes them up to the level that they need to get to. It's not about me. This is, you are not in this world for you. 
Let me break the news to you. We are not here for me. I am here to serve and make sure that Joaquin is the man that God has called him to be and fulfills everything that God has called him to do. And in doing so, I am fulfilled. How is that? I will give you an example a little bit later. But in doing so, he will attain everything that he needs to attain. Matthew 20, 27, and whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give himself as a ransom for many. Christ came to this earth, and he, and he came from a place of prominence, a place of security, a place of peace, where he was enjoying the vastness of eternity with God the Father in heaven, and didn't consider anything to come into this world and make himself of nothing, of no reputation, and come as a baby made out of dust and grow in a womb and grow to be and serve. So what? So that we can attain what God has called us to be. So that once again, we will be drawn back to the place of that kingship, of that authority. But it took somebody to come under to push us up. And Christ did that for us. He came to serve and to teach us, to walk in lowliness of mind. He came to give us the words of the kingdom of God. He came to teach. For three years, he gave his entire life to those disciples. And three years later, he was gone. And he said, greater things than I have done, you will do. He wasn't concerned about himself. He came here to make sure that all mankind fulfills and reaches a place that God has called them to be. Back into a, a, a perfect harmony with God himself to rule and to reign for eternity in, 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 in righteousness, to put away this slave mentality and to be able to influence everyone around them. When Christ came to this earth, he was not thinking of himself. They called him crazy. They called him demon-possessed because he was laying down his life 24-7 to make sure that everybody understand that there is a God in heaven who loves them and has paid a price so that they might attain the kingdom of God. That is what kingmakers do. They come and they say, look, there is something there is a calling on your life. There is something that God wants you to do that no one else could do, and I am here to help you attain it. Where do we start? First of all, start knowing that God loves you and that God has a plan for your life. And I am going to not just talk about it, but I will show you. So many women talk. Oh, my goodness. And you just look at them and say, please stop. Just please, 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 just please stop. Because they could say all the right things, but their attitudes and what they do and the way that they act and where they serve stinks it's just just stop their husbands don't want to know about a church their husbands don't want to come to church men's group don't even talk about it why because they're talking so much yet modeling so little and our influence is going to be a lot more when we start modeling the character of christ the humility of christ the wisdom of christ the love of christ the mercy of christ the grace of christ much more than when we talk about it when we act it when we show somebody grace that doesn't deserve grace when we give somebody a, a smile when when they come in stern angry when they come in through a door upset and stressed if we just have a smile of refreshing women you are the, 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 the thermometer of your home if somebody walks into your house and it's he's stern and he's mad change that temperature and you better make sure that your home is warm and you better have a smile and a plate of food that says hey how you doing it doesn't have to be a gourmet meal, but at least something that he could come home to that's, that's going to give him some peace in his life. And if at the street, somebody's telling him that he's no good at home, he is a king and he is going to know it because I'm going to treat him as such. Not because I say it, but because you're going to treat him as such. How? By serving with humility, by loving, by honoring, by giving respect where no respect was due. I recently did a Bible study on Abigail, and that woman deserves, like, a statue if we could do that and, and, and that was allowed I would make a statue of you know gold and put it in every city and every state and every country because she had a husband who was stern the Bible says he was an idiot just like that that's what his name meant idiot he was a fool I, that's what it says okay the guy had no good qualities about him and she was able to save his life when she was gonna have to still live with that man when there was an opportunity to get out of that situation when finally somebody was going to come kill him and it wasn't going to be her fault, it was his own, instead of letting somebody kill her and her stay with all the goodness, all the possessions, all the riches, because she was going to be living large without him, she didn't. 
She saved his life, not knowing what the outcome was going to be. She saved his life. And she told the David, who was going to come kill him, say, look, you know what? Poor guy, please have mercy on him. He really, he's just living up to his name. He really doesn't know anything else. You know, he, it's, I'm not saying it in a bad way. He just really doesn't know anything else. Please don't do this to him. Don't kill him and don't make a, a, a fool of yourself and, and, and put this into, upon you. Just leave him alone. Let him be. Here's, here's, here's what you asked for. Take it all. And she saved not only the life of her husband, but the reputation of the king of Israel later on. And the lives of 600 men that were no longer going to be called vigilantes or, or, or have a, a bad reputation. She saved their lives. And later on, we see what God did, that he took, him, took her husband out and she became the wife of that king, Abigail. So there's, it doesn't matter who you have next to you, whether they want to reflect the character of an ogre or they want to be a, a, a saint. You need to reflect the character of Christ first, and then you could give him that to influence to, to the person that's next to you. A lot of women say, I look like this because it's his fault. He doesn't treat me right. Well, let me tell you something. There's a king in heaven that has treated you right for a very long time. He is your father, and he is a character that is living inside of you. It's his spirit that lives in you, not the spirit of your husband. So let that character come through. And that is what's going to change and influence the man that's next to you. A kingmaker is worried and making sure that everything she does, everything she walks in, everything that she says is a positive influence and lifting up the person, the man that is next to her. Again, she's not worried about herself. It's not about me. Life is not about me anymore. Life is now about the people that are around us. A kingmaker surrounds himself with wise people and makes sure, and makes sure that the, person, the people that are around the lives of their husbands and their children are wise. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Why? In his law, he's going to meditate day and night. Why? Because he will be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf will not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. You put the wrong people around you, and what you're going to have is death and destruction. What you're going to have is all the fruits of the flesh, which is in Galatians. Galatians 5.19. You have adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbirth of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. So it's all those crazy things of destruction and more. When you hang around with people that are just constantly thinking of how is the next best thing for me? How is the wise thing that I have come up with? What can I come up with? What can I do? And gives you all of this information and all of this advice based on their books, their readings, their thoughts and actions. But the person that is wise makes sure that they hang out with people that are wise. Why? Because they'll become by themselves also will become wiser. We have people around us all the time. I, I hear it every single day. I have a friend that I'm going to go hang out with. And what are they going to teach you? What are their children going to learn from them? Oh, it's, it's not no big deal. We're just going to a party of my best friend that I've had for like 25 years. I love him so much. You know, they, they don't believe like we believe, but that's okay. So when they get to the house, the kids are all, you know, everyone around them is drinking and partying and smoking. You have people committing adultery with each other within the party. And then their children grow up and they're doing the same thing. And you wonder what happened. You know, we're supposed to love everybody, aren't we supposed to love? Well, the people that are influencing your husband and the people that are influencing your children, we're not walking in the ways of the Lord. And how can you expect your children to prosper? And how can you expect your husband to be faithful when you're around a bunch of people that are tigers and sharks and thinking about themselves? There's just no way. Yes, there is love. That's why I said that the Christianity that we're fighting in and, and we're living in today, everyone's talking about love and grace and mercy. Yes, there's love, there's grace, and there's mercy. But that doesn't mean that you're supposed to sit there and hang out with them day in and day out. Why? Because they're going to influence your life. They're going to influence the life of your children. A wise person, a woman of influence, a kingmaker, makes sure that her children are surrounded with people that love God, that honor God, that fear God. Not perfect. Not perfect. I know we're not perfect. But at least their heart is wanting to and desiring to seek God, to seek his wisdom, to seek his counsel. I always say the story that when our kids are in school and they go to a Christian school 
And people, would, the basketball players would want to come into our house. And Nicholas goes, you're not coming to my house. Why? You can't, you can't come to my house. Why? Because you're not a world changer. You could care less about the, what God says and what he does. You've been given. You've been given all the same things that we've been taught. And you don't want it. So you're not coming into my house. You're not going to influence my brothers and my sister. You're not coming into my house. And that was like a joke. I want to go to your house. No, you can't come today. And we've actually had friends call and say, can I go by your house today? Nope. Nope, you can't come. But so-and-so's there. But you can't come. Because we've taught our children, you're not going to walk in through my house to influence my children. The people that walk into my house to influence our house and our family are people that love God. People that fear God. People that when they talk to them and they look at their lives inside and outside of church are all the same. That they're going to look to seek and please the living God. Why? Because there is wisdom. Because they are going to be people that when they grow up, their plants are not going to wither. That they're going to be good fruit. That when you look at their lives, they're going to be people that are true and transparent on the inside and on the outside. They're men of integrity. People that have wisdom of God. And together, together are going to change this world. I always pray that my children have people next to them and around them and friends that love God and fear them. That they hate evil and love righteousness. That's my prayer every morning. Lord God, surround them with people that love you, that love righteousness and hate evil. May my children love righteousness and hate evil. That your words might be in their mouth. That your ideas might be their ideas. That your vision might be their vision. I don't want people around my kids telling them, hey, look, I have a great idea. Why don't we go to the tattoo parlor next door and get tatted from here to here? Why? Because it's super cool. Everybody else is doing it. And you think that's not going to happen. No, there's a pastor whose son went to college. He was taught for 20 years to love righteousness and hate evil. He was talking to a girl one day. You look great with, you know, a sleeve. He went and got a sleeve. The next day the girl goes, I hate the sleeve and left him. Zero character. Zero. But the influence of a girl changed him forever. The influence of a girl changed him forever because he cannot take that off. That's the influence that we have, ladies. Just so you see. The influence that one sentence can make in a person's life. Surround yourself with people that love God. Surround yourself with wisdom. Surround yourself with those that have a life that you can model and see. That might not be perfect, but that have a life that loves the Lord, that is pleasing to Him. That walks in the ways of wisdom and righteousness. So a kingmaker also leaves a legacy. Isaiah 59, 21. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them, that my spirit was upon them, and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from my mouth, nor from the mouth of my, your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from this time and forevermore. The words that I speak and the words that I model are the ones that my children will speak and the ones that they will model. I will say it again. What you say, your children will say. What you act, your children will act. The things that you think is what the things that your children will think. It's not what you want or what you tell them, hey, look this way or think a certain. No, no, no. What you say constantly, day in and day out, the words of your, the, the words the Bible has promised, they will be in your mouth, in your children's mouth, and in the mouth of your descendants forever and evermore. Be very careful who you let speak into the life of your children because that responsibility is, responsibility is given to you and to you alone. And if you hand that over to somebody else, you might just have what happened to Mephibosheth, that he was dropped and he was lame and was never able to attain what God had for his life. He was dropped by someone full of fear. Don't let people put fear in the lives of your children. Let the words of your mouth and the meditations of your heart be acceptable in the sight of God. Let those words be the words that are in their children's hearts and in their mouths. So when somebody comes and says, hey, get tatted, get a sleeve, it'll look cool. No, 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 you don't understand. I don't want to look like everybody else in this world because I'm a holy nation. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm above all that because I am on top and I am not beneath. People are going to model me. I am not going to model them. Those are the words that are in your mouth. Those are the words that are in the mouths of your children. When you speak and you act and you influence on that, that's what your children are going to speak and model and act. Your husband will attain what he will attain only when you let him attain it. I know so many women that have told their husbands, you don't need to listen to that pastor. You don't need to listen to that leader. You don't need to go to those men's meetings. You're becoming a religious fanatic. I need you to be home. I need you to help me with the children. I need you here. 
For 19 years, for 19 years, I have never made my children an excuse of why my husband can't serve the Lord. Never. Never. And now we have four children that serve the Lord, that love their, hus their fathers and honor him. Because that is not, that is never going to be a, a, a problem in our home. Never. I don't have to rely on a man to discipline my children. Many women come around saying, because when your father gets home, what do you mean when your father gets home? Do you not have the word of God in your heart and in your mind? I'll giving him his place when he comes home. He's going to tell you, but let me tell you while I am here, let me tell you what God says and let me tell you how you're going to act. There is no way that somebody's going to take my place in disciplining my children and influencing their lives. And you have a husband next to you that fears God. Let him learn how to fear God. Let him learn how to be a man. Let him learn from other men and godly men and how to serve. And yes, there's a balance. Please don't take this out of context. There is a balance and there is a role for men to play. But women are too many times, and I've seen it too often, and it gets me very angry that men want to go and serve God. And their wife says, I need you home. Are you kidding me? Did you forget when he wasn't home? What he was doing? Let him go and serve. Let him go and learn. And when he does ask for advice, don't demean him or belittle him. He's becoming a man. Let him become a man. Let him. Let him speak the words of God. Let him hear from men of God. That is how you can influence that man in your life. Let him. Pray for him. Speak to him the words of life, the words of God. Let them be seasoned with salt, but don't sit there and make that as an excuse and let these men go back to their old ways. Are you kidding me? Where are you coming from? Where are you headed? Where are you going? You want another purse? You want another trip? What is that going to do for you? Let the words of your heart, let the meditations of, uh, let the words of your mouth and the meditations of your heart be acceptable in the sight of God. Oh Lord, help us. Help us. Teach us your ways, O oh Lord. Teach us the right way. Women have influence. They have a, a way to change the course of history. Yvette, that's a little bit, you know, drastic, don't you think? I don't think so. When we have a woman who many years ago met a man on a one-night stand, had a child with him, she really loved the, his philosophy and ways of thinking and studied them for years had, a, had a, a child with this man. The man leaves and she stays alone with her son for years and starts teaching him the philosophies of this man and the books that this man has, had written. And she's teaching him day in and day out the philosophies of this man. She means another man gets married to him. They go out to a different country and, and, and grows up. And she leaves this man because this man was not teaching her son in the ways of the, the father of her son. And she didn't like that. And she wanted her son to grow up to be just like her dad like his dad. One day he meets him for three hours. One day he met him for three hours. He left, never saw him again. The next time he finds out about his dad, he died. He goes to visit the grave of his dad and he says, dad, I will finish what you have started. I will finish and I will make sure that the philosophies that you have set your entire life to do and to write about, I will fulfill them. This woman taught her son for so many years how to do that. The man eventually grew up and now he's the president of the United States of America, President Barack Obama, a one woman influencing her child all his life to the ways and the philosophy of a man that she knew one night stand and he met for three hours. She changed history. The United States of America is not the same. She changed history. Women, we have power to influence. We have power to change the way people think. We have power to change the way people act. We are kingmakers. We are not kingbreakers. In contrast, let me tell you what somebody else has done that coincidentally is part of our church, and she's not here right now, because if she would be, she'd kill me. Claudia, my sister-in-law, to me is an amazing example of a kingmaker. She, had a, 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 she married Jules, as many of you know, who today is a doctor. And I don't know if you know, but Claudia set out when she left here to go to Dominican. She was in medical school. That was her dream. She was going to be a doctor. She loved that. That was her Life, her philosophy, I mean, she was trained up to be a doctor.
all the abilities and the faculties to do that. But I also know that if I would have studied and I would have done everything that I could do, he would have laid back and said, go ahead, and he wouldn't be the man that he is today and that I admire. She would come home. Jules would come home when he first got medical school, and he's there, he could tell you, and she would translate all of his books and notes so that he would understand what he was studying. And today, 19 years later, that man is a head of a department in a hospital. He's a psychiatrist, he is respected, and he is loved, and he is honored by very many, a lot of people even in this house that go to him for respect and go to him for advice. Why? Because there was a woman next to him that wasn't thinking about herself that wasn't thinking about what she wanted. She was making sure that he became the man of God that God had called him to be in his career and in his ministry. And if you go and you ask them, they never tell you, but you could go and you could ask them the different positions that he has held and the different positions that he has now. And they're not little. They're, not, they're very prominent positions. And then many women say, yeah, but that's not fair. What about her? What about her dreams? What about what she wanted? Did she never attain them? That's not fair. Well, because God is fair. And because God is good, she just graduated with a doctorate's degree that she wanted in December. But she also has four children that love, honor, and respect her father. So it's not a thing of poor me, poor woe is me, and I will be a rag, and I will be a doormat upon everybody to step on, and I will never attain anything. That is not it. That's why I said change your thinking and change your mentality of being a slave into a person of influence and a kingmaker. This is not about us. This is about the people that we have next to you. And God will make sure, God will make sure that you attain everything that you have in your heart's desire. Because God is a good God. When God gave his son to this earth, he didn't give his son to this earth to leave us like nobodies. He gave us to be somebody. And he will make sure that we are that person. We need to make sure that the people that we have next to us fulfill the calling of God upon their lives. That we influence them in such a way that when people look at them, they will hold them in high respect and a high honor and high regard to make sure that when they leave this earth, that they will say just like David, the testimony of David is he served his generation and went to be home with his father. That is the influence that we need to have upon other people around us. We need to make sure that the people that rise up next to us are honorable, are dignified, that they reflect the character of God, that when people look at them, they say, I want to be like that. From underneath, pushing them up to who they need to be from underneath showing them the way modeling a behavior of the character of Christ because I have been called to be a king and a priest I am different I am a holy nation I have the words of God in my mouth and in my heart I will speak what he speaks and nothing else that is me that is my responsibility and I will not give that to anybody else that is what a woman of God and a woman of influence and a kingmaker does gives it all all her desires, everything to one side so that God can pour into us what he has for us. Amen? Let's stand. As we